and without hope. But you sent the Holy Spirit, not just to be with us, but to be in us. And so I thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. As you're in us, you're working something that is beyond our thoughts, our imaginations. You're working something on the inside that if we'll yield to you, you have greater plans than we ever dreamed possible. But you're also here just hovering in this place, brooding over each person's heart. As a mother hen with her eggs, she sits, she broods over them until the time of gestation is done and they burst forth, they come out of the shell. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're working in each and every one here. You're brooding over them. The gifts that are in their life, the graces that you put there, you're brooding over them. You're, you're helping them. You're consoling each one of us till suddenly things begin to crack open. Things that have been hardened and shells around that the enemy's place, I thank you, Lord, they begin to break open and we begin to burst forth into the very plan that you have for our life. We thank you for that. Holy Spirit, I thank you for utterance to speak as we ought to speak. Give us ears to hear what you're saying to us today. That there might be eternal change. Not just temporary, but eternal change. Things that are changed once and for all by the power of the living God. That we never return back to those things to stumble over or to hinder us, but once and for all, they've been put away. And we'll give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise, and all the thanksgiving for what will be accomplished by your word and by your spirit in every heart and every life. In Jesus' name, and everyone who greets it, amen. amen. Good morning, church. How are you this morning? Welcome. It's a great day to be alive. We're glad that you're here with us this morning, and I believe that God has some things he wants to to say to us as a church today, I believe he's saying uh, many of these things to his church as a whole, but to us as a church. And so once you look at somebody next to you, say, the life of God dwells in me, and the life of God dwells in you. Therefore, you have victory in every situation, under every circumstance, and in every place. And your victory releases a fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere you go. Praise the Lord. If you believe that, you can be seated. Once again, welcome. You might wonder what's going on here. How come? Are we having a question and answer session or what's going on here? Uh, but really, we'll just, we'll just name this today. This is the proverbial couch in the room. I know we like that phrase, uh, the elephant in the room. But really, if there was an elephant in the room, you would do something about it, Right? Seriously, that's a dumb phrase. If there was an elephant in the room, you'd do something about it. But really, many times we're troubled by the couch in the room. In other words, there's things in our way that aren't an elephant. They're not pooping all over the house. You know, they're not destroying things because they're clumsy. They're things that get in the way of our life that actually are more like a couch than an elephant. And so if we're going to be the undeniable church, we want to talk a little bit about these things today and We've entered into this series of messages, and, and I'm not going to go through everything first service. I really ran myself out of time just talking about the things that have led up to here, but we know uh, uh, really God's called us to an undeniable place, and Jesus is our undeniable leader. We have an undeniable word of truth. We have an undeniable redemption. We have undeniable grace. All those things, when you read the word of God, they're undeniable, right? You might say, well, I, don't, I, I have doubt about them, but really, when you look into the word, they're undeniable. What Jesus has done, he's the head of the church. That's, there's no question about that. We have an undeniable leader. The word of God is forever settled in heaven. When we stand before Jesus, he's not going to go like, I, I changed my mind about that. No, his word is forever settled in heaven. We have an eternal redemption. In other words, what Jesus paid for your life was paid once for all. Whether you accept it or not is up to you. Whether I accept it or not and the result of it is up to me. But that price was paid that was needed. It's undeniable. He died on the cross. He was buried. He spent three days and nights in the belly of the earth. He raised from the dead. God ascended him. He's at the right hand of God the Father right now, living to make intercession for you and I. No doubt about it. Heavenly realities is exist there. You can say, well, I don't believe it, uh, so I can deny it. But really, in the scope of eternity, it's undeniable. And when we start to embrace these undeniable truths, things start to happen in our life that are undeniable. 
And so we, we uh, the last few weeks, we've been talking about undeniable grace. And that undeniable grace is really the favor of God. And it's undeniable when, you know, we look at it and, you know, Alan just shared his story, his testimony, which is awesome. But sometimes, you know, lightning strikes our house and we do what they didn't do. We say, oh God, why did this happen to me? But you know, things are going to happen. How many of you know you live in a fallen world, right? We live in a fallen world. Things are going to happen. But in the midst of all that, God's favor is on you. You think if God's favor is on me, why did this happen? Well, the the devil's out to kill, steal, and destroy. Things are going to happen. The reason you're not dead is because God's favor is on you, right? The reason that you're still moving, you're still going, is God's favor is on you. And God is there knowing things are happening, but his favor is on you. And when you realize his favor is on you, his favor is on you to produce something in you, to prepare you for something, and so he empowers you for that very thing. So you're empowered so he can open doors that that no man can shut, close doors that no man can open. And then the, the third part of grace is a divine influence upon your heart that has its reflection. Well, he wants to influence you so that you can influence others. I heard one person say this week, we were at, at, at camp meeting, he said, the reason that the church doesn't have more influence in the world is because the world is continually having influence on the church. And God wants to flip that. If the world's not influencing the church, the church is influencing the world. So how are we ever going to do that? Look at the government, look at everything around. One person at a time. We come together, we hear the word of God, we get empowered by God, we begin to govern our own life, we begin to govern our own thoughts, we begin to govern our own emotions, And then we do it together as husband and wife. We do it with our children. Then wherever you work, you begin to influence the culture there. And then if you do that, it begins to influence culture. And just like they've done it in the world, one piece at a time, subtly it's gotten to this place, right? We saw things in 2020 move almost supernaturally fast, but they didn't, you know, as we've talked about in the kingdom of God, we think, man, that just suddenly happened. COVID and stuff just suddenly happened. All that stuff... Well, it's suddenly happened, but it's been being prepared. And I think we, the church, haven't been paying attention. Suddenly, as we think that instantly happened. No, it didn't instantly happen. It suddenly happened. It's been being prepared until it comes to the place of fruition, and then it springs forth. And so they did it subtly a little at a time. Well, we need to just be aggressive and say, we're not going to fall into that. But if we govern our own life and we begin to walk according to that, God gives us influence wherever we are. If we're governing our life correctly according to righteousness, it has a tremendous influence wherever we are. And so grace really begins to work in our life. But we want to shift gears a little bit today and talk about uh, really how are we going to be the church undeniable? Because we have undeniable help. We have undeniable help. We have the greatest commission in the history of mankind. The greatest commission to preach the good news, the glad tidings that the power of sin and the kingdom of darkness has been broken and that the kingdom of God has been released to all mankind. That you no longer have to live under the slavery of sin and death, but you can live under the guidance and direction and governing of the Holy Spirit and power into life and peace. That's our message. The power of sin's been broken. There's life and peace. We've been commissioned with this great message. The kingdom of God is here, but in the midst of it, we're intimidated too often by it. And God knew that we'd be intimidated. As we'll look at this just in a little bit, God knew the commission that he gave us was too big for us, so he sent help. And the one he sent to help us will never fall prey to the strategies of the world. He's too smart. He's too smart. What's that book Mark Hankins wrote? If you listen to the Holy Spirit, he'll make you look intelligent. He knows everything. And so God's given us this amazing help. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Paul is ending his letter here. And it, 
It's really amazing as you begin to look at it. Paul ends his letter to the Corinthians. He makes this statement. We'll look at it in just a little bit. Jesus' last words to his disciples were about the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. <clears throat> he ends his letter like this. Now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. Amen. Got three things right there. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we talked about that for a few weeks. The love of God, we're going to talk about that. We have an undeniable love. We'll talk about that in a few weeks. But here, I want to spend a couple weeks talking about this. I cracked this open. You know, when I was preparing this message, I thought, we'll just do one week, and I'll be done at this time. But some of these are cracked open, and I think, well, you know, I might not do a great job at this, but it wouldn't be fair to try to cram this into about 30 minutes and then go, now go live that. I mean, there's just too much to this helper that he sent us to just try to get through it as quickly as possible. The communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all, amen. Now, the Holy Spirit, he's been challenged by his own church for about 2,000 years. You know, uh, you know they got, the disciples got out and they began to operate according to the power of the Holy Spirit and people of God came to try to dispute that Jesus when he operated in the power of the Holy Spirit. They tried to say he was operating by the prince of devils, Beelzebub, when really he was operating by the power of the Holy Spirit. Why is there such pressure to ignore the Holy Spirit? Because this is the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. It is the dispensation of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the time of revelation of what Jesus did for us. And Jesus, 33 years on the earth and the last three and a half years on the earth, were explicitly to show us how a man, I don't know if you know this, God was Jesus was 100% God, 100% man. But what he did on the earth, he did as a man. When you read the scripture, it says, I want you to know what the son of man can do. And then he says, you know, people would say, you're the son of God. Well, he was the son of God and he was the son of man. If he wasn't the son of God and the son of man, then we don't have a valid covenant. Because in order to have a valid blood covenant, you have to have the blood of each party mingled together. And so Jesus in himself made a valid covenant. I am the son of man. I am the son of God. My blood, the son of man, the son of God has mingled together into a valid covenant with God. And what he did on the earth, he did as a man. And he did it for a reason. The reason he hung around, you know, when, when Herod was uh, looking to kill babies, uh, you know, if it was just about the blood which the blood changes everything. Jesus had spotless blood as a two-year-old baby. So God could have said, okay, Herod, kill him, shed his blood. I'll raise him up as a baby. And we'll have this all done. But we wouldn't have any idea what to do. So Jesus grew up as a boy in a home with a job as a carpenter. And then he went and he was baptized in the river Jordan. And when he came up out of the river, the Holy Spirit descended upon him. And then he began to walk as a man called of God, anointed by the Holy Spirit. For what purpose? To show you and I how men and women, freed from sin and anointed by the Holy Spirit, can live their life, live in power over sin and its temptations. He was tempted in all points, like as we are, yet without sin. Live with power over sickness and disease. Live with power over demonic principalities and powers. Live free from the temptations of life. He said, if you're anointed by the Spirit of God, not only can you live with power, but you can bring power to those who are suffering in life. God's intention of the new birth wasn't just that we walk the front, we pray a prayer, and then we hang on until we get to heaven, and we hope to stand before him and say, but I'm forgiven, right? No, he forgave us and washed us so we could experience right here in the midst of trouble, in the midst of the enemy, saying, you know what? I got power. 
When the enemy comes and says, now you have to do this. This is the way you are. This is what you want to do. This, you want to live like everybody else, don't you? And you say, no, I don't. He said, but you have to because you've made mistakes. And say, I don't have to do any of that. He said, but I can make you and say, double dog dare you. So how are you going to stop me? I might not be able to, but I have the helper. I have the helper. He doesn't like it when you know that you have the helper. So he's lied about the Holy Spirit for about 2,000 years. It made people think the Holy Spirit's weird. Made people think that the Holy Spirit's like some out there somewhere. They've even said the Holy Spirit's an it. He's not. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we've given attention to God the Father, the love of God. We've given attention to grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. But somehow we haven't given the attention to the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead. And the Holy Spirit is the person of the Godhead who's here right now. Amen. And you know how they missed Jesus when he came to the earth? How the people of God missed Jesus when he came to the earth? was they saw in the Old Testament, you know, we go, we have the priest go into the tabernacle, that's where God is, and we serve God. And even though it was prophesied of Jesus that he would be sent to the earth, the Messiah, they ignored him and didn't accept him because he didn't look like they thought he would look. And they said, we serve God, we don't know who you are. And he said, listen, I'm the son of God, and if you don't know me, you don't know the Father. If you knew the Father, you'd know me. And we look at that and we're like, yeah. But then we, New Testament believers, we're like, we serve Jesus. We don't know who this Holy Spirit is. But the Holy Spirit says, listen, if you knew Jesus, you'd know me. And if you know me, you know Jesus. But if you don't know me, you don't really know Jesus. Ooh. Because he's the spirit of Jesus. And so we kind of ignore the Holy Spirit when we talk about Jesus, just like in the Old Testament, they ignored Jesus, but they talked about God. But he said, listen, you can't even know God without knowing me, because I am the express image of the Father. So people were like, show us the Father. He said, listen, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then he told us, he said, I'm going to send another one, a helper of the exact same kind as myself. In other words, he's sending, I'm, he said, I'm going to sin just as God sent the Son. I'm going to sin the exact express image of myself. But when God sent me his exact express image, I came to be with you. But I'm going to do the next step better. I'm not just going to send the Holy Spirit to be with you. He's going to be in you. For this purpose, that I want you changed. I want you changed. And if the one who is expressed, the exact express image of me lives in you, there should be something going on to change us into that same image. Man, can you imagine the fear of the devil? Oh, my God, you put your spirit in them? Somehow, I got to talk them out of this. Somehow, I got to tell them, this is no big deal, man. This is the weirdest thing you ever heard. He can come in you, but he can't do anything for you. He's just hanging on there until you get to heaven. Come on. Yeah, when you prayed that prayer, the Holy Spirit came on the inside of you, but he's just hanging out till heaven. And people believe that. And don't do that abba dabba do stuff. Because that's just too weird. Because if you start praying out stuff you don't know, then only God knows. You'll start having the will of God done in your life, prayed out ahead of time, and I can't do nothing about it. Amen. And so he's tried to talk the church out of the help that Jesus has provided for us. I'm certainly not talking to us. 
Because we know. I mean, we got a handle on this, right? So he said, listen, Paul said, listen, I want you to have communion with the Holy Spirit. That word communion, that Greek word is koinonia. And you can read this in different places. I'm just taking uh, the three aspects from Rick Renner's book. He's a Greek scholar. Uh, his book, Dynamic Duo. If you've taken Bible school, you know this. You've read the book. But don't shut off. That's one thing about the Word of God. It's alive, right? So because it's alive, you might have taken Bible school three years ago, and you go, I already know this, and kind of shut off. But the Word is alive. So wherever you are right now, there's fresh revelation for the day that you're in right now. The Holy Spirit will make it alive for you today, what it means today, what partnership do I need today. So the first thing about this is intimacy. The first thing about koinonia is intimacy, intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And we struggle with intimacy. Now, how do I get intimate with the Holy Spirit? How am, how am I going to get intimate with the Holy Spirit? I just want to make it easy for you. How can you not be intimate with someone who lives in you? Y'all are still looking shocked. You're looking at me like, come on. The greatest intimacy. My wife will hate that I use this word, but I can't think of another word to use right now. Part of that word koinonia means intercourse. It's talking, not talking about sex. It's talking about you and him, him and you. So we refer to all that to try to get out of the worldly sexual idea. We call that intimacy in the natural. So how can you not be intimate with the Holy Spirit? Because I don't know. I don't know that he really lives in me. But once you realize he lives in me, the express image of the Father, the same one that was hovering over the face of the deep when God spoke, the same one that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, the one who is the express image of God, the one that moved through Jesus, the one that came upon him, he lives on the inside of me every single day, every single minute, every single second. He's on the inside of me looking just like Jesus. If we start getting intimate, and I understand that, and we interact, him and me, and I and him, something's going to change. And so in that intimacy, the next part of that, that word koinonia means partnership. Partnership. He's in you, you're in him. There's a divine partnership taking place. You and the Holy Spirit are partners. Too often we're like, the Holy Spirit's over here, he's going to do his thing, and I'm going to do my thing. No, there's a divine partnership that takes place. He's working in you. He's working with you. He's taking care of his part. The third part of that, that word koinonia is shared responsibility. We share responsibility with the Holy Spirit. And we understand that there's the what people have called the God part and our part. The God part, the man part. See, we're responsible. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just hit this one point. It, it goes deeper than this, but for right now, for the sake of time. Come on, he puts something in your heart to say. It's your responsibility to say it. It's your responsibility to say it. It's his responsibility to perform it. So when you allow the Holy Spirit to give you what to say and you say it, somebody's like, wow, that has authority. Well, you spoke it. He brought authority to it. You spoke it. He brought revelation to a heart. Your part, his part. When he says, stretch forth your hand to pray, we're always wondering, what if nothing happens? Just take your responsibility, stretch forth your hand to pray. His responsibility is to bring healing. When we share responsibility, instead of like, the Holy Spirit has to do all this. I can't do anything. He's like, well, I can't do it without you. And we certainly can't do it without him. So the Holy Spirit is, is huge. How many of you would say that in the book of Acts, when you read it, the 12 apostles and the building of the church was pretty undeniable. 3,000 got saved, 5,000 got saved. They were rocking and rolling, and they were raising up. It was pretty undeniable. So we had the church, and we've had the church at seasons when it was the church, undeniable. This is, this is coming up. This is Jesus. But in the very beginning, Jesus, the very last things that he said to the disciples had to do with this helper. Acts chapter 1. He said, but you shall receive power. He told them, wait in Jerusalem. He said, but you shall receive power. Everybody say power. 
You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea to the end of the earth. It says that's the last thing he said to them, and he was ascended into heaven. Come on, if that's the last thing that Jesus said to them, it was pretty important. Like, don't go do what you're fixing to do without some power. Don't go out and just try to preach the gospel to every creature without help. He said, if I needed help, you need help. But I'm sending you the same helper. And you're sad because I'm going away. But see, the reason that you look at me the way you do is because it's not me that does the work. It's the Father in me or the Holy Spirit of God that does the work. And so if you're going to do the works that I do and greater works than these, you're going to need the same work in you working it out, not you. John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. Now, we talk about this in the church, but come on, folks. It's time to start believing for it. It's time to start believing for it. Oh, the works that Jesus did, greater works than these shall we do also. See, when somebody close to us dies and we want them raised from the dead, we start talking about this. We should be able to, but we got to start somewhere. We got to start somewhere to do the works that he does. And he says, you can do them because I go to my father. We'll get into this in in, in later messages, but he said, I'm going away. And it's to your advantage that I go away because if I don't go away, I can't send the Holy Spirit. And if I can't send the Holy Spirit, you can never fulfill what I've called you to do without the helper, the Holy Spirit. So he goes on to say, he says, uh, because of this, he says, I go to my Father, and whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. One of the translations says, if you ask anything to perform these things that I've just said you'd do, God will help you and give you what you need. So we think if I just ask him for anything, he's referring to, listen, if you're going to go out and do the works that I do and greater works than these, I'm with you. Whatever you need to do these works, ask me and I'll give them to you because God will be glorified. He goes on to say this. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. He said, listen, this is undeniable. The world, this, this makes us undeniable. The world cannot know the Holy Spirit. He's for the church. He's to help the church. And when we receive him and understand and fellowship with him and walk with him and are in partnership with him, it's undeniable there's something different about our life that the world doesn't have. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Listen, if we don't start showing them that there's something different, we're afraid they're going to feel bad or whatever, but they're looking for something and it's found in us. Thank you for your enthusiasm. It's found in us. It's the Holy Spirit of God. And he's working something on the inside of us. Passion Translation says this, like this, I tell you this timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do. Even greater miracles than these because I go to my Father. For I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask me in my name. And that is how the Son will show what the Father is really like and bring glory to him. Ask me anything in my name, and I will do it for you. Loving me empowers you to obey my commands. See, for too long, we thought, if you love me, you'll do my commands. And we thought, I got to show him I love him. I got to do commands. He said, no, reverse that. When you fall in love with me, our relationship empowers you to do my commands. If you're struggling doing the commands of Jesus... Get closer to him. Fall deeper in love with him. Be motivated to do what he asks you to do because you love him so much. That's where a relationship comes in. 
He said, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Savior, the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to you a friend just like me. And he will never leave you. The world won't receive him because they can't see him or know him. But you will know him intimately because he will make, he will make his home in you and will live inside of you. Now listen, one of the first works, and we're going to go through the different where places that he's going to help you. But if we're going to do the works of Jesus, if we're going to be transformed in the very image of Jesus, we have to go back to something that I believe that much of the church, and we're part of that, I'm guilty of it myself, so I'm not pointing any fingers or throwing any stones, is we need to get back to being like Jesus, not just in all the miraculous deeds, but in the way that we live our life in purity and in holiness. I knew that would get a rousing applause. I, I was expecting people to run and shout and scream and yell. But see, we haven't heard enough about it to understand that we think, oh my God, here we go. Holiness. But just think about this. How many of you have ever been disappointed? How many of you have ever been discouraged? Now, let me ask you this question. Were you disappointed because everybody and everything was going right? Probably discouraged because someone did something wrong. Right? Someone did something wrong against you. Somebody didn't fulfill that. Right? So we walk around discouraged, disappointed, and then when we talk about holiness, we're like, oh my. <laughs> thank God for the blood. We don't have to be holy. Which is contrary to the scripture. The blood washed you to make you holy, made me holy. But just understand this about holiness. We get discouraged and get disappointed because people wrong us. Now, just think, just, just imagine for a moment with me, all right? And then I got to get off this and get done. Um, just imagine with me for a moment if everyone did everything right, we'd probably be happy, wouldn't we? Everybody's like, wait a minute. See, your minds work like that. No, because probably if they did what was right for them, it would come against what was right for me. We just have trouble thinking this way. But this is how cool holiness is. If nobody's carrying around insecurity, if nobody's carrying around guilt or shame, if nobody's planning to do something wrong because they can't handle life, that looks pretty cool. Am I in the right place? <laughs> See, it's so foreign to us. There's so much going on around us that's wrong. It's foreign to us. But come on, just think about it. When you go home, think about it. Just when your wife gets upset with you and you think, if she was holy, she wouldn't do that. <laughs> That'd make you happy. <laughs> right? Like, you're so holy, I messed up, and you didn't even react to that. You're so holy. And we can stay happy. Holiness is not wearing your hair in a bun with no makeup and a dress up to here and down to here. Holiness is a way of life. And it's not burdensome because of the blood. It's something that actually is fulfilling. And the Bible calls it beautiful. If we change our mind and say, man, wouldn't that be cool if I got to the end of the day, no guilt, no shame, no kneeling down and going, man, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't, man, I, I was tempted all day and I was struggling with the devil all day. But no, I, you know what? I got to the end of the day and I feel clean as I've ever felt before. Whoo, I'm not here to repent, God. I'm here to rejoice. What a day. That's holiness, man. That's holiness. So he sent the whole, 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 excuse me. That wasn't Santa Claus. He sent the Holy Spirit to help us be holy. I'll let that sink in a little bit. That'll really register with some of you. He sent the Holy Spirit. Now, there's going to be a lot of benefits And I like all those benefits, but let's just start where he is. All of a sudden, the Holy One came to live in us. What do you think the first thing that he would like to do? 
Okay, so let me help you. Y'all are still looking at me a little strange. Maybe it's too simple and I'm just stressing the point here. So if you had OCD and you moved into a dirty house, what's the first thing you're going to do? Clean it. Like not just clean it like I would clean it. You would clean it. Every crack, every cabinet, every nook, every cranny. Probably Lysol the garage. Why? Because I got to have stuff clean. Yet we think the Holy Spirit is moving into a house that was previously sinful and he doesn't have to clean it? Come on. If you have to picture him bald with an earring, he's coming to clean house. He is Mr. Clean. First Peter, all right, I got I to get this so you know what the couch is here for. All right, First Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, gird up your loin, the loins of your mind. In other words, if you're going to get here, you're going to have to change your mind. Come on, strap it on. Get your focus. Don't let it wander. Don't let it give excuses about everything. You're going to have to gird up the loins of your mind. If you're going to run with this thought of purity, tighten up. Quit going here and there in your mind and your emotions. Tighten her up. Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your expectation or your hope fully upon the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Where's that revelation going to come? From the Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. As obedient children, not conforming yourself to the former lusts as in your ignorance. Come on, we all come in having committed sin ignorantly. We didn't know Jesus. We were governed by sin. But listen, the church shouldn't be 10 years down the road still doing the same former lusts as in our ignorance. When we have the power of the Holy Spirit, we have the Holy Spirit working what's holy and clean in us so that we can get to the end of the day not feeling like we failed again, but bless God. Woo! The devil found nothing in me today that he could work with. But as he who called you, may have been called, called you out of darkness into his glorious light. As he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold for your aimless conduct received by the traditions of your fathers. Listen, you were redeemed from that old way of life. And the Holy Spirit came in to make all things new. So we have this couch. This couch in the room, it could be your worry, it could be your lust, it could be your gossip, it could be your mind, how your mind rages over things and continually gets going, it could be addiction, it could be sin, sin waits to so easily ensnare us, but yet it doesn't become an elephant in the room because you know, you even hear this today and you're like, I got to do something about this, man. Man, that thing is going to be harder and it's not to move. I believe I'll just sit down on it for a little while. Then all of a sudden we realize, you know what? I don't have to move that. I've been born again. I have the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, why don't you come into my life? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Just come into my life. So now I have the Holy Spirit. And his first job is really just to make me happy. So we get like, woo, I got the Holy Spirit. Woo, let's dance and shout for a while. Woo, praise the Lord. 
And if we're not careful, we're like, whoo, I'm going to run. Because there's always something in here. Leave it alone for a bit. And he's always trying to say, we can move this. We're like, I got this. I got this. When I want you to help me, I'll ask you. You just be in my life and make me feel better about this. In fact, why don't you come sit on my couch with me? But he won't do it. We'll get discouraged. So then we hear a message, maybe like today, and we get to this point, quit trying to move that. And we're like, all right, I'm going to do something about this, and I can't pick it up, but I bet I can move it. I got it. And then we have our own works start to move our thing around. I can move it around. Dear God, if I take it off of this, I'm going to hurt myself. That was a lot of work just to move it to a different place in my life. And one day, we're sitting here going, why is my life not different? Why is my life not different? And I have a helper right here. Not just with me, he would be in me. But he's right here. But the day that I say, don't do what I want you to do. Don't just stand there and be with me. What do you want to do? What do you want to help me with? couldn't do what I couldn't do kept trying to do he was with me he was in me but I wouldn't let him help me I just kept moving things around shifting things keeping them in my life now he's helped me move them totally out of my life and I can just tell you that couch wasn't heavy with him helping me. And I don't know, I think I picked that up before, but not now. It's awkward. And the devil tries to make things awkward that you're trying to deal with. They're hard to pick up, they're awkward. The Holy Spirit knows exactly how to share the responsibility and move it totally out of our life. See, when Jesus said, use the faith and declare and say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and don't doubt in your heart, but believe those things that you say will come to pass. You'll have whatever you say. He didn't say, say unto this mountain, just move over so I can get by you. And so often we're like, I just want relief from the mountain, just move over. But we keep it in our peripheral vision so it's always a part of our life. But he said, no, don't do that. Get it out, cast into the sea, let it sink in the sea so you never see it again. The Holy Spirit wants to help you so you're not dealing with the anxiety, the worry. You're not dealing with the marital discord. You're not dealing with the substances. You're not dealing with all the things that go on. You're not dealing with the discouragement and the self-defeat that's there and saying, Holy Spirit, I'm glad you're here. Could you do it the way I want you to do it? Instead of saying, you're here to help me remove this from my life, I yield to you. When he says you pick up your end, you pick up your end but it won't be nearly as heavy as what you've been trying to carry. When that thing goes out of your life, and you go, whew, there is so much more room now. <laughs> I can run and I can dance with no obstruction in my life. I don't know, I can't really watch this particular program ever. I don't even know if it's still on, but every now and then it was on in my house. I have no idea why. It's called Hoarders. And people would come in there, and I couldn't watch it because I'm like, 
you seriously won't get that out of your house? You seriously can't get that out of your life? Now, again, I, I understand there's things going on with them. I'm not, I'm not trying to... But the fact that they have become so attached to stuff that is destructive, yet we look at it as Christians and go, how could they? But we have stuff that the enemy's coming and saying, you've hoarded some stuff through your life. Let's uh, clean house. We're like, well, that you can take, but not that. He starts to point out, and, you know, that's what I always like. They go through, they give them a chance. Let's point that out. And they point that out, and they're like, okay. And then they point this out, and they're like, no, no. What are you going to do with it? I don't know, but I can't part with it. And you're like, wow. Wow. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you're like, I get it. I never got it. That's why I couldn't watch it. I was like, wow. If you threw that in the trash and you allowed them to do this and clean your house, put some new stuff in here, and you'd have room, you'd have health, you'd have happiness, you could invite guests. Come on, when you get to the point we invite guests into our life, into that holiness, that's where people are like, whoa. I've just walked in and my mess is bothering me. Help me clean my mess. All right, last scripture. Why don't you stand up? I'm really trying to pastor you. I'm not trying to pester you. See, great things. I see the Holy Spirit really breaking forth the gifts and the power, unhindered. Romans chapter 8 says, but if the Spirit, other translations say this, but since the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised up Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through his Spirit who dwells in you. Because of this, or therefore, brethren, we are not debtors, not to the flesh. Not to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if, you, if by the Spirit, by the Spirit, not by your own works, not the flesh trying to put to death the flesh, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You will will live. Come on, we're going to be a, have an undeniable life. We're going to be a church that's undeniable because we have an undeniable helper that's transforming our life. Not what we do, but what we allow him and we work with him, we cooperate with him to transform us into that very person that we were created to be in fellowship with him. Father, we thank you. We praise you and we magnify you. I believe with all of my heart, God, that I brought what you've asked me to bring today. And now I release it to you, Holy Spirit. To hover, to deal with every heart and every life. To teach them and bring the beauty of holiness, not the drudgery or the work that may seem involved, but the beauty of holiness. And how you will work in them to bring a more beautiful life than we ever dreamed possible. That where the enemy has found places in us and hidden things that were not right, just to call on them and cause them to break out and create a mess at different times. As you help us, strengthen us to wash our life out, to be holy as you're holy. That it won't be something that we're trying to do in our own strength, but something that you do within us, that we work with you and it becomes beautiful and it becomes wonderful and it becomes more than we ever asked or dreamed and the regrets and the resentments and the troubles begin to fade away because they're not in us. They're not from us. They may be around us. 
we can navigate all of them with you. Move on every heart, every life, I pray. Strengthen us and help us for the days we're in, for the troubles that we go through, for the challenges that are in our life. Help us move the couch in the room, the thing that's right in the middle of where we live. We tend to sit on, we tend to relax on, but we know it's not to be there. Help us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Why don't you say this? We go, what God did in Christ Jesus? Far exceeds. Any damage done to me? By Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day.